Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Full Stack Journey podcast. Thanks for joining me today as I talk with a special guest about the journey towards becoming a full stack engineer. Our goal with the podcast, as always, is to equip listeners to start or continue on their journey toward being a full stack engineer. And if you're wondering what a full stack engineer is, that's a great question. My definition for a full stack engineer is someone who's capable of working across multiple silos and moving among multiple layers of the modern data center stack. We're not looking for expertise in all those areas, but expertise in one discipline and a reasonable knowledge and proficiency in a few more. Uh, we have a special guest today, and I'm going to apologize in advance for, for mangling his name, but we're going to try as best we can. Joining me today is Robert Kluisterhaus from the Netherlands, if I recall. Is that correct, Robert? That's that's close enough, Scott. Uh, okay, great. Uh, good, thanks. Good, good attempt. It's uh, Americans... Cannot pronounce my surname, so don't worry about it. Yeah, well, yeah, like I said, I got it on, on recording that, you know, I apologize for mangling it. So hopefully hopefully we'll we'll do better with the rest of the podcast. So thanks for joining me. I know we've been talking about getting on uh, together on the podcast for a little while, so I'm glad we could finally uh, get our, our logistics lined up. Yeah, th- and thank you very much for inviting me. Um, and uh, we, we spoke briefly at VMworld, so uh, it, was, it was really nice to, to meet you face-to-face before we did this. Um, so Absolutely. To put a, put a face and a person to the name. Yeah, 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 for sure, no doubt. Um, so, you know, you, you've listened to the podcast before. You kind of have a rough idea of what we're doing. Before we really get into the discussion, um, why don't you just take a few minutes and kind of give the readers a little bit of background on you, where you're coming from, you know, your experience, what you're doing these days, that sort of thing, and that'll help them put in context sort of the discussion we'll have uh, later on. Okay, well, um, so, well, my name is, is uh, Robert Klosterhaus, um, obviously. Um, I've been in IT for about... 18 years now, I suppose. Um, I'm 37, um, in case uh, people are interested in knowing that. And my background is, is, is very much um, from the, the Windows sysadmin uh, side of the house, small businesses, uh, small IT environments. I was, um, I was with a contractor for a very long time. Um, and I did, you know, with every contractor, you start out, you know, the, the bottom rungs of the, of the kind of the work. Um, so lots of, you know, help desks, um, uh, service desks, kind of works um and um you know you slowly kind of rise up you know you get your mcse at some point and you, you start doing more sysadmin type stuff and i've been i've been doing more or less system administration um for the last 10 years and the last um last five years i've kind of gone up another notch um i'm in a company now where i i do uh, more consultancy i do uh, more architecture and this is it's, it's funny when you talk about the, the full stack uh, engineer and the way you define it, um, in, in, in some ways, the current work I'm doing now, it's very multidisciplinary. So I feel like, oh, yeah, I'm already there. But actually, of course, I'm not. But we'll talk about that because the, the, the kind of work I'm doing now is already very much kind of the direction I see things are heading. But more needs to happen. And um, I've learned a lot of the, the job I've been in the last five years. It really kind of forced me to, to up my game in lots of different areas. And I've kind of said more or less goodbye to the Windows Systems Administration stuff. About seven years ago, I, I, I seven eight years ago, I got into the virtualization, uh, the VMware uh, ESX three three point five at the time, maybe, and that was a bigger big eye opener for me. And I, I immediately was attracted to to virtualization. Um, and I haven't really looked back since. Many positions require you to do a bit of Windows administration and um, and virtualization administration at the same time. Those those two worlds were very much intermingled in all the companies, and they still are. The last few years, I've um, I've stepped away from, from from the Windows stuff per se, but focused far more on things like storage and networking. So that's kind of where I'm I'm at right now. That's perfect, uh, Robert. I think that your 
background is probably something that is very common. I know that in my own background, I spent a number of years in the in the Windows space. I was a Microsoft certified trainer and MCSE and all of that. So spent all that time in in the Windows thing. And I did Active Directory, worldwide Active Directory migrations for companies and worldwide exchange migrations and all that kind of you know stuff. And and then very much, you know, as you described, you know, kind of decided that I needed to to move on a little bit. And then VMware was just coming onto the scene at that point and cast my my lot with with them as it as it would be. And then have continued to grow and evolve in this since then. So I think that you're kind of where you are and where you're headed and some of the decisions you're making. Uh, and this and we'll, and we'll dive into this in a bit a bit more detail in a few minutes, obviously. But I think that that's something that will really resonate with a lot of the readers. So again, thanks for uh, taking the time uh, to get on. You know, you you said you were moving away from sysadmin. You're doing you're from the Windows centric sort of place where you've been for some time, and you're moving more into networking and more into storage. Um, kind of share with the readers, if you will, kind of, you know, what, what your mindset is like, what are you thinking about as you are broadening your skill set? What's, what are the things that you're particularly interested in and, and where, where do you want to take your own skill set and your own career moving forward? So the, the company I'm with now is, is, is Red Logic and we're a, um, I'm an infrastructure integrator and a consultancy company. And, and we have, we have customers, and we try to do as much as we can for those customers. So we don't just implement one or two products, but we, we want to administer them as well. We want to help them build, you know, STDCs, things like that. And uh, the customers were, were involved in, when you go wide, when you start to focus on, on, um, on process and on, uh, and on uh, how all these different um, applications and, and, and technologies kind of the place they, they take in these, in these companies, to properly advise people, you have to have a very broad skill set, and you have to know a little bit about everything. And it doesn't stop with just IT operations. Um, and and this this is going to start start to sound very familiar to to you know to DevOps principles, which of course it is. Companies um, increasingly you know are, are doing more things at larger scales, so there's more automation, and you can see, you see that the the delivery timelines you know they, they they're forced to go down and down. And inside your company, you might simply just take off the shelf software. But the 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 the, the challenge is, is is still the same. Things need to be delivered faster. Um, IT solutions need to be delivered faster. Um, and if you're if you've got software development thrown into the mix, now that becomes an integral part of that. And what you see is is customers, you know, companies struggling to get all that all their ducks in a row, to get all their ducks in in order. Traditionally, we have these all these silos, right? Within operations, you already have silos. If you're a large company, you know networking, storage, um, you know compute, uh, Windows systems administration, Linux systems administration, um, um, and then you've got probably a lot of application experts, people who own the applications, people who administer specific applications but know nothing else. You might have dedicated database admins, Um, and then if you also do have development, then you've got you know developers. Um, and all these things are all these, these 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 separate worlds, these separate islands, these separate silos. You see all these bits and pieces, and you see them not talking to each other. And you see them, um, you see how all their methods and all of their processes are all kind of they're all separate. And there's, of course, they have to interface with each other, but it's 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 usually very inefficient. <laughs> and um, you know, people people tend to talk to each other through through service service desk ticket systems. <laughs> um, you know, they don't actually go and talk to each other. Um, so one of the, one of the things that that I've increasingly started the kind of the role I increasingly start to play um, within my companies is to is to take on that role of mediator, 
and to take on a role of, of getting some of these people talking to each other. When you have a lot of expertise over you know, certain technologies or software products, you, you often find that not only are you able to, to, to bring people together, but you also might be um, one of the more knowledgeable people in the room. Um, and you can, you, can, you can draw, you can fill in the dots for people. You can, uh, you can connect the dots um, in, in, in ways that when you're within one of these islands or silos, you, know, you might not always see. Um, and this to me is, is a really cool. I mean, it really, um, it, it's 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 kind of an added value that you that that you see that lots of companies haven't. They're not able to do this themselves just yet. They tend to still look at IT as, as all these different kind of departments and things. Now, companies are a bit further along with this. You know, they might be slightly more DevOpsy. Even there, um, there's still so much more that, that that needs to be done. A lot of companies, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll say they have a DevOps department, but what they've done is they've, they've taken their developers and they've renamed them to DevOps. Or it's the other way around. They've taken their operations team and renamed them to DevOps. And neither of those two things is DevOps. Um, DevOps is not about, you know, brand names. It's not about labels. It's about process. Um, and... And you see, um, you see the kind of all these forces that are that, that are that are pushing on IT organizations to adopt more kind of DevOpsy way of doing things, to integrate more, to talk to each other more. But, but honestly, everyone is still so bad at it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, um, and and one, and this is one of the things that that there's a lot of opportunity out there. Um, and one of the things that we do as a company is to try to is to try to have those conversations and to try to get people to talk to each other and to, 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 to take a step back and say, well, let's stop talking about specific products. Let's talk about your process. That's something I increasingly get, get very excited about doing. But at the same time, um, I'm still very much with my other foot. I'm still very much in the, in the operations world. I'm a big VMware product guy, so I, you know, a, and the customers we're at, uh, we employ a lot of uh, VMware products. Um, it's not just the hypervisor. It's things like NSX, uh, a lot of NSX, and, and things like vSAN and, and, and vROPS and, um, and vRealize and uh, vRealize orchestration. Um, and I have a hand in all of these. Um, and it's, it's usually, it's, um, it's, it's not even, it might not even be hands-on, though with NSX it usually is quite hands-on. But I, I like to, again, there to, to help my, 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 my colleagues and peers kind of connect the dots, to you know, take, a, take a bit of a higher-level approach and say, well, how do, how does these, how do we, these products fit into our operations process? You know, how can we use them? Um, you know, we have seven different monitoring tools, you know, which ones we're going to use for what and how and, and, and which ones might we not want to use at all. So it's, um, but at the same time, I'm still very much behind the, the knobs and the, and the mouse and the buttons and, and the command line at the same time. Um, it's, uh, so it's, it's uh, to me, one of, the, one of the choices I'm facing right now is, is, is do, I, do I continue tweaking the knobs? Do I continue mousing about and, and, and doing my command lines or, or do I, Switch completely more into a kind of consultancy role, and this is a very this this is a this is um, a challenge that a lot of people face at some point or another in their in their IT careers. I, I think I'm I'm slowly concluding that I would never kind of completely want to let the the hands-on stuff go, um, but um, I'm I'm finding it quite hard to to balance you know to, to give enough time to both of these kind of skill sets. Yeah, no, I think that a lot of what you've just described there is is common to a lot of people in the industry. So the, the struggle with, with uh, being very, so right towards the end of your, of your section there, being hands-on versus taking that higher level view, that more of that architect consultant sort of view, right? I think that's, that's a topic that comes up a lot as we, as we talk about this idea of being a full-stack engineer or the evolution of the IT professional, you know, whatever term you want to use. The, 
Um, I think that the the role of being, uh, you know, you mentioned kind of being a facilitator or a mediator between the various silos is something that I think increasingly becomes important. Um, and, and so there's a need for stronger communication skills and a need to have this sort of broad base of knowledge so that you can, as you pointed out, sort of connect the dots. So when you're in there talking to the networking team and they mention something and you're like, okay, I, I know what they're talking about there. You know, I can kind of relate that to what the storage team is talking about or what the server team is talking about or what the operating systems team is talking about or the security team or whatever the case may be. And I think that if we live in our silos, we sort of lose that that ability to say, um, I can I can help. I, I really like that phrase, connect the dots. I can really help establish the links between these silos because I have a little bit of knowledge in both and I have this ability to translate what they're saying into what this other group needs to hear or vice versa. Yeah, and and I mean, I, I have, a, I have a, um, a bit of a, I still have a Windows background, I have a storage background as well. I mean, I've always liked storage. Um, you know, I, I started out managing, you know, taking ownership of, of H, you know, HP uh, EVA uh, arrays. And um, in the last five years, it's been all EMC. And um, so storage storage has always been a, you know, another one of my passions. And so, it's, so especially when those two worlds meet, very easy to, to talk to talk about that, um, to, to, um, to align you know, with storage requirements and computer requirements and uh, virtualization requirements. And, um, and the last five years, networking has become um, just a bigger thing for me. Um, it's funny. I mean, I spoke at the, at the, the Dutch VMUG, um, they have the, VMware, the VMware user group conference this year, and my session was about running NSX um, for you know the last three years with one of our customers, uh, and it's funny. I mean, five years ago, I never in a million years would have thought that I would be doing a talk on a networking subject because networking, historically for me, has not been my thing. Um, you know, I, I and and it's still true. I mean, uh, you, you couldn't you couldn't put me behind a Cisco switch and expect me to know how to do anything. I'd be lost. You know, I'd be googling everything. Um, I mean, I, I get there because I understand all the concepts and I, I understand what you you know what the the, the aim is and the, the different things you can do. But I have no, still to this day, I have no real hands-on experience with 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 kind of the old school networking stuff. Um, instead of, um, I mean, I do a lot with NSX, which is you know several layers above that level, uh, which is you know, which is sort of software-defined networking. So increasingly, I'm doing um, I'm doing networking in 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 NSX, which is very different than a Cisco or a, a Juniper a command line, and of course with with Network with network resolution products like like NSX, you know, it's latched onto vSphere, which you know, I've worked with for a long time. So a part of that skill set transfers really easily, and then there's a part of the skill set that's completely alien to me. So things like OSPF and BGP and um, things like that is like it's, these are all these are all new concepts. I, I recognized quite a you know a few years ago that I seriously need to to work on my on my kind of fundamental networking skill sets uh, to to. To know what the hell I was talking about in regards to NSX, um, and and it's funny, it's a challenge. I see other other VMware people um, or people you know from from the kind of uh, who, who support VMware products struggle with. Um, it's, it's the same was true for storage. Um, I mean, I, I happen to have a storage background, so what things like vSAN are doing underwater is, is quite you know is, is familiar to me. I understand I/O, I understand you know queues and things like that. Um, but someone who has absolutely no storage background. Um, they, they have the same problem I had with networking. You know, whether they these um, the way the the trend we're seeing with software is that increasingly things are becoming um, are becoming abstracted. Um, 
the concepts are still all the same. It's just that, the, that we now have several you know, abstraction layers in between. Um, at the end of the day, especially if you want to troubleshoot something or if you really want to understand things like performance, you still have to know how some of those basic things work. Um, and I, I um, and I very much understand some of the struggles that I've seen some 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 kind of vSphere sysadmins had in, in adapting to all these extra uh, technologies coming into their their um, their product horizon, as it were, their their their, um, their experiential horizon. Um, Especially if this was, if these were skill sets that were you know, uh, the, the the domain of, of different IT teams or different uh, sets of expertise outside of their you know their department or outside of um, their teams, um, and this is only increasing. Like if we go back to to what I was saying about about this kind of connect the dots across across the whole IT landscape of the company, you know, development is a part of that, and. It, it, it's sometimes hard enough to to to, to talk to the, the storage guy and the, the virtualization guy, the network guy, and have you know, connect the dots for them. But then, if you add a developer into that, it's a completely different world, um, completely different tools, completely different language, different terminology. With the kind of the, the virtualization products, you know, storage, network, and computing, you know, it comes together. You, you, it's not uncommon now to see people. Um, and you know, understand a bit of all those things that they have to, to 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 run kind of modern IT operations. But it's still relatively uncommon to see a a um, an operations uh, team that concentrates very much on infrastructure really understand development tools, or really understand what the developers are even up to. And um, and the last few years, when you see new kind of uh, technologies like like containerization coming, um, and then the need to Orchestrate and automate the, the containerization. Um, suddenly, all of those, all of this, the, the skills and all of the challenges that that we're used to from the infrastructure operation side all come right back into that. And um, and that's this this other trend I'm seeing uh, where I, I love to get involved in that because uh, because there's an opportunity to to say, look, you know, we actually are speaking the same language. Um, if you're talking about um, orchestrating how you deploy. Uh, containers and the things that you need for that. Well, those are the things that we've been doing on the, the, the virtualization side for quite a few years now. Things like high high availability, things like secure networking, things like um, um, uh, things like uh, a network overlay, stuff like that. What what you see is, is in some companies is that the these are the companies where the developers have been kind of renamed to the the, the DevOps team. Is that they they're kind of learning all these skills uh, new. They're, they're kind of reinventing a lot of wheels. Um, and that might be a good thing because because doing things like overlay networking or doing things like high high availability might work very differently in a containerized environment or in a public cloud environment. Um, but what I'm increasingly seeing is that actually <laughs> um, it does all uh, boil back down to the, the same basic concepts, and you still need the same kind of architectures, and you still need the same kind of um, uh, thinking about things like say, high, high, high availability or security in order to, to get, all, again, all these things working correctly with each other. So, um, so while, um, while we might get this kind of the shadow IT happening right now with developers, um, in the end, a lot of what they're doing is, is, is just common infrastructure operations again. Um, and this is, and this is, this is um, where I see a lot of opportunities for people like, like us, with people like with, with my background, because there's... Um, there's a lot of experience we have that that's applicable to that world as well. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, that's really good. 
So one of the things that I that I hear from you, Robert, and I, I, I'm interested in in kind of digging into this a little bit is so I'm hearing a lot of like big trends, which is which is all stuff I agree with. You know, sort of the the need for for IT people to to move beyond their silo, the need to sort of connect the dots, the need to um, embrace, um, for lack of a better term, sort of DevOps um, processes and mindsets, not just renaming departments, right? But but actually looking at what it is that is behind this idea of DevOps and that is connecting people and streamlining processes and doing it for the benefit of the business. So all of these are, are sort of macro trends that I absolutely agree with. And then we could get into the trends around how infrastructure is changing as we move to the public cloud, as we embrace SDDC, the role of automation uh, that that plays in in that change. I love that. But one of the things that I'm that I'm, I'm I'd really like to dig into just a little bit more is sort of around um, this, I guess, uh, this idea of the the interplay between how infrastructure is changing, right? Uh, with software defined sort of everything. There's obviously still stuff, physical things underneath it, right? But I'm wondering, just out of curiosity, you know, what 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 your thoughts are on, you know, where is that appropriate level of of knowledge as we have more and more software-defined layers? Where do people need to really focus on? I mean, I, th- I think my, my initial take, and, and you can tell me what you think about this, my initial take is that for someone who is trying to broaden their skill set, they can get away with you know like sort of the the twenty percent of the knowledge that covers eighty percent of the use cases or you know whatever that is um, in in most areas, but there's going to have to be at least you know one or maybe two areas where they're really going to need to dig in and 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 have a good knowledge of not only the abstraction layers but what's underneath the abstraction layers. And I'm just curious, what are your what are your thoughts there? Because I think this is something that I know that I personally struggle with this, and that is you know where how far down do I go before I stop? Because we can't obviously all be deep and wide. So we have to find that balance, and and where is that balance? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's just something I, I struggle with as well. It, it's not something I, I I've, I've, for my personally, it, it's not something I have all the answers for yet. Seeing the rise of, of containerization has been a big trigger for me to to um, to, to kind of touch all these different um, new technologies, and I'm still trying to trying to figure out for myself where I want to go in that, um, and and. And how much of it relates or does not relate to my current skill set and the current things I do in my job? Very kind of a practical thing you, you see popping up all over the place is is this shift to uh, declarative models of resource deployment. So um, instead of you know, you, you, I mean, back in back in the good old days, if you wanted to install you know a Windows Server um, and SQL, uh, you probably have a Windows template on your vSphere environment. Uh, yeah, you set that up, and then you'd you, you know if you if you kept that template up to date uh, enough, you know it'd be ready to go. You could you, you know you wouldn't have to patch it. Um, yeah, maybe you'd, you'd put the last month of patches back on it, and then and then you'd run your little batch file, um, or maybe your your VB script, um, which would install SQL. But, I mean, you know you, you can you can do it with a batch file. You can you have SQL with you know a thousand parameters in it. A little step beyond that, you might customize, you know, do a custom uh, um, MSI answer file. For the longest time, that's how Windows administrators would 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 install stuff. And then, you know, if if you were lucky, you'd have a tool set above that where um, you could you could start hanging, you know, these MSIs in and uh, hanging a little batch files and extra scripts in there. And 
what you end up with is is basically um, you know, something that's that should be reproducible, right? Like uh, like a manifest of this is what a SQL server is supposed to look like. So if if you you know if you had the right tools and you had the the right kind of drive to automate this, you you were already might have been doing this ten years ago. Um, I, I was um, with with some of the IT teams I was with. Um, and what you're seeing now is is that same kind of idea. We standardize, automate, um, and 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 make a kind of deterministic model of what it is you want to build. And we see that now popping up everywhere, all over the place, and and on all these different levels. Um, so now, I mean, what is a VM? It's it's nothing but a declared state of 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 of, of, of convict options in a file. You know, what is what's a, you know how do you build a Docker container? You know, with a with a YAML file that basically says, you know, this is, this is these are the bits I need. Um, within the kind of the, the VMware ecosystem, um, you're seeing this increasingly with products like Vera, uh, Virealize Automation, where you you declare an entire application stack, uh, you define it in a blueprint, and you add in everything you need. And this used to apply. I mean, we, we know this this phenomenon from from installing. Operating systems. Now we, we, I mean, we used to do it with 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 Ghost. Remember Ghost? Um, and and you know, and if you were in the Windows side of things, you know, you'd have a remote installation server, you know, RIS. If people remember that one, and that later morphed into or you know the the other Windows deployment uh, services. So you might already be used to thinking about OS deployments in this way. And if you you know if you if you scripted. Um, uh, installation of things like SQL, you know, you might be used to to thinking of, of, of software installation in this way, um, and and of course, you know, um, while I'm less familiar with 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 how Linux administrators tend to do things, I, I get the overall impression that Linux systems administrators, they and, and application administrators, they do this a lot more, and they've been doing it for a longer time. But now you can with 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 um, with more and more things being software defined, you know, the storage layer being abstracted and now available as software. And the network layer being abstracted and available software, you can now take all of these extra areas and add them into into these 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 manifests and add them into a a, a declared state of what your environment should look like um, to roll out not just applications but the the infrastructure that supports applications increasingly is 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 going into this kind of declarative model. So so and these these declarative models they're often they're often manifests they're often in the form of XML files or YAML files or JSON definitions. Once you once you have a look at these files, you'll you'll start to see like, okay, well, this is this is not something as a as a kind of a, you know, um, say you're a just a Windows systems administrator. There might not be something you're used to looking at. Building these definitions is also something that 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 starts to become part of of, of your deployment process. Working with 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 software and working with environments in this way requires. Um, Starts to require some 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 scripting um, um, knowledge. Starts to require some 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 scripting chops. Uh, if you're a, if you're a kind of a hardcore PowerShell administrator, you might already be used to a lot of these um, kind of concepts. Um, but if you if um, but if you're if you're not, this is this is something we're going to have to all kind of get get into. I mean, a lot of VMware administrators they think of a, a, a VSphere template as you know this as a, basically a, a special state VM. But, but a VM, any VM, um, is, is in the end kind of this, this you know, definition of, of properties and a bit of static uh, storage somewhere. And in that regard, it's no different than 
than than what's than what's uh, you know what a, what a container is, nor what, what all these other kind of constructs are. Um, so it's it's helpful to think of these things as code, um, as, as 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 files that can be that can be scripted against that can be built automatically. So this this trend of kind of predefining not just you know a particular OS installation, not just a particular application installation, but entire environments together, you see that appearing all over the place. And in order to navigate that space, in order to work with those kind of tools, um, it requires um, requires knowing a bit about scripting, requires knowing a bit about YAML and about definition languages and about how to deal with properties and objects. Um, this is, I think, that the, the kind of the most immediate play, um, 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 place that I, I see a lot of people having to to to, to um, some some of the some of the the, the people in IT that I know, the first place that they really had to to learn how to do some basic scripting was was in regard to um, to uh, deployments that went beyond the level of just the OS and just an app, where they had to start incorporating things like this. Yeah, so I mean, I, I totally agree that that there is a a strong pull toward this idea of infrastructure as code. This is something that we've discussed on the podcast a few different times. Um, in a few different sort of forms, right? Um, whether it be the form of a, you know, of a infrastructure deployment tool like a, a VRA blueprint or a Terraform configuration, whether it be the form of a, you know, a configuration management tool like an Ansible playbook or a Puppet manifest or a Chef recipe, whatever the case may be. And for sure, that the idea of having a um, a declarative state of saying this is the way I want it to be you know and then and then having that tool make it so right um, is is certainly going to continue to, to to increase I don't see that trend disappearing so for sure I think that for all the listeners out there if you're not already becoming familiar with the sort of these declarative ways of defining infrastructure that's something that you need to be you need to be looking at um, but I'm just curious I, I, it sounds like based on your response that you know, this idea of trying to determine how deep we go is still unanswered. Like I, I don't know that anybody has a good answer for that, right? As as we start to embrace these additional technologies and look at the trends that are affecting the industry in which you know we we make our careers, um, we, we recognize that we have to broaden our skill sets, but it isn't clear yet how deep that skill set needs to be. Yeah, I think I think. Um NSX is a, is, a, is a nice is a nice example of NSX is VMware's network virtualization product, and you can do several things with it. You can do network overlay stuff, and you can do micro segmentation with it. So basically, you know, firewalling around individual VMs, and the, the of course because it's software, it has an API, and the API is quite well developed. So if you want to start building network constructs as part of you know a deployment of an environment, you, you can do that quite easily with NSX. But what you notice is that um, to get to that point, you, 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 all the basics have to be there. All the all the basic structures have to already be in place. Um, you can't just kind of drop NSX Manager into an environment and say, "Great, I can now start building networks." Um, you still have the the, the 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 network ecosystem to take into account. You can't start simply doing network overlay without knowing what it is you're actually doing at the bottom. Um, you, know, you can't expect routing to work without understanding the routing topology you know, beyond NSX. You know what's happening in the rest of the data center? How does my stuff? How do my packets actually get out, get to the internet, and back? All that stuff still counts. All that stuff still needs to be built and deployed and administered and troubleshooted. 
it's only when you've you've reached the point where okay, this is this is now stable. This this works. Um, now we can look at firewall rules that you can start to say, okay, this is where I can start to automate things. Right? You 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 need to have the um, the structure in place first before you can say, okay, now it's now I can start pushing stuff to it in a in a relatively high level, relatively abstract way. Um, but to get there, <laughs> you you still need to build it. I mean, you still need um, and building it. You, you'll find you'll still need to know what it is you're doing when it comes to networking. I would a few years ago I would have said that the same was true for storage, um, but that's that's actually that's actually um, um, I wouldn't say that's the case anymore. So storage is is something, and this is a this is a bit of a um, uh, an aside. Um, with storage, it's one of these areas where I'd say definitely the kind of the skill sets um, are, are, are radically changing and, and for a large part, they are kind of going to vanish. Abstracting, uh, abstracting storage into software and then, and then doing things like uh, hyper-converged storage really does remove a huge amount of the classic storage skill sets you would need within an IT department. That's something I would say is not true for networking, at least not, not, not that I can see so far. Um, but, but storage and, and also kind of other classical hardware skills we all kind of already noticed this with with virtualization coming in. The moment you have a bunch of, of ESX hosts, you know they're configured, they're running. You know if, if if it's stable, you don't need to touch those machines for years. Um, if you're if you're a you know, big company, you might be adding continuously adding new new hardware. It might be a slightly different situation, but but in the environments that I've worked in, relatively smaller companies, once those those hosts are up, you never you never have to touch them again. You don't have to reinstall ESX um, every month. So a lot of that kind of that hardware provisioning skill set, um, it's still required to get things up and running. But is it something you're going to need every every month, every three months? No, not not really, um, unless you're a, you know unless you're continuously provisioning hardware. And with with storage, well, you know if if you're a large company and you still like arrays, sure that there's 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 always going to be a place for for the hardcore storage admin that's you know, goes really deeply into specific uh, storage vendors or specific storage technologies. But there is um, a very good use case um, for, for hyperconverged storage, and it's becoming increasingly easy and increasingly cheap to do. Um, so I, I, I think that a lot of a lot of storage um, uh, will move to hyperconverged. A lot of those, a lot of the kind of the, the classic skill sets involved with storage, like things like you know fiber channel knowledge or how to set up a brocade uh, FC you know, switch, you know, those those skills will become rarer. They're less. They're going to be less needed. And another and another trend that really hits that is is um, is the kind of the slow kind of movement of public cloud. I, I I'll never believe that um, that everything is going to move to public cloud. Right? You'll always have this hybrid cloud model. A lot of companies, you know, they they actually run. Different public clouds are different things. You know, the, the the Microsoft stuff is the first to move to Azure, and then they'll have like a you know DevOpsy development group that love Amazon. So you'll you know, you'll probably have these parallel use use cases, and um, you'll never get rid of on-premises stuff. Um, but I think the question all the companies are asking themselves is like, is it worth keeping local skills for an increasingly smaller park of physical hardware and you know and and dedicated uh, shared storage? Um, if I if I'm going to refresh my infrastructure, if I'm going to if I'm going to put in like you know new storage, new new hardware, isn't it, you know is it maybe easier to get to get that service from a different company? Especially if, if certain skill sets are, are increasingly less and less used on premises, because more and more is moving to either public cloud or to hyperconverged kind of constructs. Um, so I think for storage, classic storage administrators, 
and uh, people that that uh, that specialize in 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 just provisioning hardware. Um, I think these times are going to be a bit challenging. Um, I think I think the, the biggest changes there are. are um, some of the changes are going to be very, very big for them, very consequential. Yeah, I, I think that I have, I have personally tended to focus more on the, the networking side of the house, which is, of course, undergoing a, a massive transformation on its own, not just because of SDN and, and overlays, uh, but also because of the move towards APIs and uh, increasing levels of network automation and a lot of the innovation that's happening in that space. But a lot of the insight you shared, Robert, I think has been has been very valuable, and I wanted to just kind of pull out a few sort of key things that I heard for the listeners. Um, you know, wrap up on that, and then we'll and then we'll we'll close out the show. But you know, a couple of things that I that I heard that I wanted to pull out. You know, one, I think that it's it's really important for uh, us as IT professionals, whether you uh, ascribe to the idea of the full stack engineer or not. I think it's really important that we look at how we can connect with other silos in the business for the purpose of helping to improve the overall sort of performance, if you will, of the IT department. It's not about you know just our silo, but it's about how the technology that we support in conjunction with other technologies helps the business accomplish some goal in mind. So I think that's one thing. The other is I, I hear um, a, lot of, a lot of what you're talking about keeps calling out automation, right? Infrastructure as code, tools. And so I think that's becoming really sort of a, a key foundational concept in this idea of, of how we as IT professionals need to evolve, whether it's being driven by you know, an increasing level of APIs being added across what we're doing or whether it's um, driving the inclusion of those APIs uh, you know, as a discussion for a separate day. But I, I do feel like automation is a, is a key part of this. And then I think the last part is this this quintessential struggle about how hands-on do we need to be versus how high-level and how deep we need to go. And I think we've determined there that there is no good answer. Um, And that it's just something you have to kind of, each person has to feel out for themselves. But I wonder just real quick, you know, what's what's your thought on, let's let's get real. What are some practical things that, that readers or I say readers, I've been writing for so long, I keep doing that. Listeners, um, that listeners could do to start down that path of one, stepping outside their comfort zone in their silo and, and beginning to connect the dots with the other silos, right? And then two, bringing more automation into what they're doing. One, uh, one really kind of useful tool that I found to help educate myself is to try and educate others. Um, so I, I, love, I love presenting and I, I, I love focusing on a like, specific tool, specific thing, and kind of really dig into it, really make it, make it my own, experiment with it in the lab, and then, and then do an hour presentation about it uh, with, with my colleagues and peers. And I, I feel this. If you feel that your company or your IT department you know, should, should be heading in a certain direction or should acquire certain skills, um, champion those within, within your IT department or your, your company. Educate yourself um, and then... And then uh, educate your, your 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 colleagues. And you don't need to be an expert, right? You don't need to to know everything about a particular tool or a particular uh, a particular technology. Just the outline can already be extremely useful to to um, to impart um, uh, amongst other people. Um, and when it comes to reaching across silos, um, find find the opportunities where um, where uh, reaching across the line, especially to, between operations and development. Uh, where that can can really have an impact 
Um, I, I, you, you might find, even, even, even if, if you can't find like a practical use case for it, you might find that, that there are certain developers that might find it very interesting to hear what their code is actually running on. Um, you know, you, you might show them, a, one, one thing I find very effective is showing them photographs of the data center. Like here, this is what your code is actually running on. Have a look, see the server? And you know, it's usually such an abstract thing for them. You know, they, don't, they don't think about it. It's some, some colo location somewhere or some data center in a, in a basement somewhere. To make it physical, to make it real for them, can sometimes be that little jump start you need to have a conversation. Like, you know, when you run a code, when you, you know, this container, where do you think that container is running? Can you point, point to me on which, on which host? And they're like, well, does it matter? It's like, yeah, it matters to us. Um, and that, that, those are opportunities to have conversations started about, about those things. So don't be, don't be afraid to advertise what it is you do to people outside of your own team, your own department. Um, um, uh, you know, be, don't be afraid to, to talk about what it is you do. Be proud of what you do. And, 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 and see and be curious about what other people are doing. Yeah, sure. That, I think the, the, the idea of using education as a tool to reach across um, the silos is something that's come up before, and I think that's a, a great thing. It's beneficial for us as individuals. I know that I have shared before that the process of writing a blog post or, or something of that nature often is as important or valuable to me as it is to others. And so I think that's probably true um, in, in most people's situations, the idea of creating a, a presentation or writing up a little document or preparing a, you know, a, uh, you know, a lunch and learn type session is going to be as beneficial for the people preparing the content as it is going to be for the people receiving the content. And I think it's also important to call out that you don't need to be an expert. Um, just as we are stepping outside our silos and balancing that depth versus width um, discussion, then others are also going to be doing the same thing. So, you know, that's, I think it's fine. You don't need to be the the Uber expert as you share this information, just as you pointed out, the outline sometimes can be very helpful. Um, what about the second the second thing? Like, how, what are some practical ways readers could begin to bring automation into their day to day tasks? Well, f- um, one of the things that I struggle with, first of all, is, is like which 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 tool, which scripting language. Um, I mean, personally, I'm very much on the fence between PowerShell, which is you know which I have some experience in from my Windows background, and Ansible. Which is kind of the, the, the de facto kind of declarative state um, um, scripting language in Linux environments, um, or it's becoming that at least. Um, and I'm, I'm very much like like which which of the two do I focus on? One thing I do know is, is start small. Um, find any excuse to get started with one of these tools. I mean, even even like one-liners can already like immediately give value. And, and when I say value, I'm talking about like personal value, like personal satisfaction. If you can automate one thing that you do, you know, um, um, in your day. Um, it doesn't really matter which tool you use, right? Just getting the satisfaction out of automating something. So you don't you don't need to create a whole expect yourself to create a massive script or a whole scripting framework, you know, to do all these things. You you can start small. Um, the, the, you it's better to get started than to to um, put too much of a um, a burden on yourself by saying like I want to do it correctly the first time. No, just just start doing it. Um, and, and 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 find any excuse you can. You know, you, next time next next time you you have to you know make a change to an ESX host, consider consider doing that in, in PowerShell. And if you've done that before, consider next time trying Advanceable. Just just to get started with those tools. And you know, that's that's one thing. And I struggle with this, right? I struggle to find the time and the energy to actually get into these things. But uh, but this idea of making things bite size 
very, I think, very important to get started in any new technology that you're not familiar with. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that's a great point to bring up to the readers. Is and this is something we've talked about before, but it's it's always great to hear it again. And that is that as as technology professionals, we often want to go in with the sort of the the most brilliant and elegant solution that could possibly be created because this is a reflection of our our skill and our expertise as an IT professional, but the reality is that it's a journey, right? That's why I named the podcast what I did. It's a journey. It's an ongoing thing. You got to start small. You got to understand that whatever you're doing, it's going to grow. It's going to get better. It's going to evolve as your skill and your experience and your familiarity with the tools um, uh, grows and and is is cultivated. So I think that's that's great. Just remind everyone, it's okay to start small. Find a bite-sized area where you can bring one of these tools to play and uh, and then do it and, and challenge yourself. So that, that's great information, Robert, and I really appreciate you being on the show. Um, so a, as we close out, uh, I, I wanted to give you the opportunity. So if if uh, listeners were interested in sort of uh, the the phrase I often use is you know stalking you online, um, <laughs> do uh, is there do, do you maintain a website? Do you have a blog? Um, you know what's your Twitter handle? Uh, where where might people be able to get in touch with you online? All right. Well, um, first of all, Scott, thanks so much for giving me the the opportunity to come on. Um, in many ways, you you started a, a lot of my kind of um, journey into the virtualization uh, world with with some of your books. I, I, my first certification was with the help of your mastering um, vSphere four, I believe, um, which is like eight years ago now. I think it's been a while. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so thank you for that. And, of course. Um, People, um, so I'm, I'm big on the Twitters um, at uh, the Fluffy Sysop. Um, it would have been the Fluffy Admin, but you couldn't use Admin in your Twitter handle when I made it. Um, I also have a website which is thefluffyadmin.net. So those are the two places to find me. Um, I, uh, I, I wish I blogged more. Again, it's one of those things you need time and energy for. But I try to blog when I can. And yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to, to connect with more people to, to hear. You know, the kind of the kind of if they recognize what it is I'm talking about and if, if they have their own insights, uh, I'd love to connect with people. So please tweet me. All right. So readers, you heard it right there. Robert said, tweet him. He's at, at fluffy sysop um, on Twitter and uh, website, the fluffy admin. Um, okay, great. Thanks Robert. And, and look, I, it's been a genuine pleasure talking with you and I'm, I'm really glad that we were able to get things lined up. Uh, listeners. Thanks so much for tuning into the podcast. We really appreciate you giving us uh, some time out of your day. And I hope that, you have found some value in the podcast. Uh, I would ask um, that if you enjoy the podcast, um, please um, give us some feedback on um, iTunes or whatever platform you've used to to find um, the the podcast. That's a great way for us to be able to reach more listeners and, and improve the the reach of the podcast so that more people can benefit and uh, we can get more speakers on that sort of thing. So take a few minutes to give us some feedback on iTunes or uh, whatever platform you use to find the podcast and. We'd certainly appreciate that. And until the next episode, um, uh, you know, go out there, learn some new stuff, and uh, and push the envelope. Uh, work on your journey towards being a full stack engineer. Thanks, everyone. Mm-hmm.